Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Good morning. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. After I read, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, if you'll respond by saying thanks be to God. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. Good morning. Well, it's great to be here this morning. Uh, My name is Eric, and I'm one of the four pastors here at New King. Uh, If you're here visiting today, um, you get the chance to hear me. I preach about once a month or so. Uh, Pastor Ben is our lead pastor. He preaches uh, twice. Uh, And then usually Aaron steps in and does one, and then I do one. So if you haven't met those guys, uh, make sure you reach out to them today. So we are in uh, Matthew's Gospel. We have been studying Matthew for uh, a number of months And we are all the way into the 14th chapter. Now, you know this story, right? This is one of the most famous stories of the New Testament with Jesus walking on water and then Peter goes out and Peter begins to sink. We all know that story, right? First, let's just look at it in context for a moment. In Matthew 14, the first thing that we saw a couple weeks ago was Herod beheaded John the Baptist. Now, Herod was kind of a fake king. He was a tetrarch. That meant he only was a king over like a quarter of the land. And whenever Herod shows up, no matter what Herod it is in the New Testament, death and violence follow immediately. And that's what happens at the beginning. Then what happens? Jesus shows up. And he feeds the 5,000. Whenever Jesus shows up, the true king... What happens? People are fed. People are comforted. People are cared for. Life happens. And now we have this particular section with 
Jesus on the water. Let's pray, and then I'll jump right into it. Father God, I thank you that we can be here this morning. I thank you that we can read your word and learn from it. Father, help me through your spirit to preach. Father, help those that are here to hear. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So what I'm going to do, this sermon is made up of, uh, of four sections. I'm going to break this, this portion up into four parts, and each part is going to have an imperative, an exhortation, a challenge to you. This is the type of sermon that's going to make you maybe feel a little uncomfortable, right? I'm going to challenge you. So let's have a look at what the scripture says. The first part begins in verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was alone. So we have this scene where Jesus is in control. The first thing he does is he makes the disciples get in the boat. He makes them. When you look up the Greek word, it means almost that he compelled or forced them to get in the boat. They didn't want to get in the boat. He said, get in the boat. Why? Why didn't they want to get in the boat? We're going to talk about that in a minute. But the next group of people are all the crowds, and Jesus dismissed them. He's like, okay, go. Why? Well, we read from John's gospel that after the feeding of the 5,000, they wanted to force Jesus to become a king. So Jesus says, that's not my time right now. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to do something different. You guys go away, and now I'm going to go up on the mountain alone to pray. So that's what we see. We see Jesus on the mountain alone. We see the disciples forced into the boat. We see the crowds pushed away. And then what happens? It's all serene on top of the mountain with Jesus. You can imagine the stars are out, the moon comes up, there's Jesus praying. It's all happy. But the boat! (laughs) What about the boat? Verse 24, but the boat! By this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. See, they had been going mostly all night. The wind had come up. They were going against the wind. They were rowing. They were, they were against the wind. It was really hard for them. The waves were beating. They were far from shore. This was not an easy journey. It wasn't like going out on the Ethan Allen where you have a little dinner cruise on Lake Champlain. No, this was tough, right? We all know that. And in the fourth watch of the night, when it's darkest, Jesus shows up. And there he is, walking on the water. What on earth was he up to? What was he doing walking on the water? And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, (laughs) they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart. It's me. Don't be afraid. You see what Jesus does first? 
He doesn't calm the sea, right? He calms them. He gives them a little word of peace. He gives them a little word of comfort. He calms them. So we have this scene, right? And here's the first imperative. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? I think so. You got to get in the boat. You got to get in the boat. How come you're not in the boat? Jesus had to force these guys to get in the boat. He had to compel them to get in the boat. You got to get in the boat. Why didn't I want to get in the boat? Well, maybe they just wanted to hang out with Jesus. Maybe that was part of it. We want to go with you, Jesus. No, no, get in the boat. We want to be with you. Maybe. Maybe that was it. Jesus said, get in the boat. We don't want to go in the boat. Maybe they were afraid to get in the boat. Remember, Israel was not a seagoing country. You don't read about the great naval battles that, that the Israelites fought. You don't read about them going across the oceans and exploring. They didn't like the water. They weren't water folk. They were more land creatures, right? That's who they were. And in the Old Testament, over and over and over and over again, the sea is depicted as something that's chaotic, something to be subdued. Because remember, that's where the great sea monsters lived. Leviathan. Have you not heard of Leviathan? You go look it up and tell me next week, what's Leviathan? So they were kind of afraid of the water. But remember who was there? Twelve disciples. Four of those guys were what? Fishermen. They knew the sea. They probably said, yeah, let's go. No, they probably didn't. You know why? These guys probably knew the weather. Remember that whole old saying? It's, it's coming up in Matthew in a couple of chapters. Red in the morning, sailor take warning, red at night. Sailor Delight, remember all that, right? They probably said, hey, we don't want to go on the ocean, on the sea here. We don't want to do that. You know, there's a storm brewing. We know the signs. Jesus says, get in the boat. You got to get in the boat. I know you're afraid. I know this isn't something that you like very much. I know you're not seagoing people. Get in the boat. I could apply this to salvation, right? Oh, my word. If you haven't trusted in Jesus, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, get in the boat. Put your trust in Jesus. I could apply this to baptism. Today, in a little while, we're going to see two people baptized, two people obeying Jesus and baptizing. What are you waiting for? Get in the boat. Get baptized. You put your faith in Jesus, get baptized. What are you waiting for? Get in the boat. But today I'm going to do something different. I want to talk to you about church. Are you in the boat? Get in the boat. So many conversations I have of late are people that are saying, yeah, I'm not so sure. I'm going to try this church out. I'm going to try that church out. Uh, yeah, we're going to just check it out here for a bit. We're going to check that church out for a bit. And the weeks turn to months. And they don't commit. They don't commit. Why? 
Why won't they commit? Okay. Maybe some of it's COVID. All right, we all went through a terrible time, and, and maybe there's terrible times to come. I don't know what the future holds. Maybe part of it's that. We could give a lot of excuses. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's the pastoral team here. Maybe we haven't talked about committing very much. Maybe we've forgotten to talk about that. We have, quite frankly. Maybe it's generational. A lot of statistics say that the younger generations tend to push commitment off later and later in life. When I was a a big shot engineer uh, doing aerospace work, we would have training on generations, how generations think about things, how they differ, how they view the world, how they commit or they don't commit. In my day, you went to work for a job, in a job, and you worked the rest of your life there. There was no thought of leaving. Today, do do you young people think that? No, I'm going to work there for a little while. Then I'm going to move on, and then I'm going to move on. Commitment. I'm not saying one is bad or one is good. What I'm saying is get in the boat. Get in the boat. What are you waiting for? You need to commit to a church. The New Testament does not understand or know of a group of people that go from place to place to place to place and don't commit. You need to commit to a church. You need to be part of a fellowship. I'm not saying it's New King. It doesn't have to be New King. How? What do I do? Number one, you ask God. You need to pray, Lord, send me to the church where you want me to go. Send me where you want me. Are you praying that? Pray that. Pray that. It doesn't necessarily have to be the church that meets all of your needs. See, we tend to have a bit of a consumer mentality. I'm going to go and check it out and see if all my needs are going to be met. I'm going to see if they're absolutely perfect. Guess what? None of us are. New King isn't perfect. No church is perfect. Ask the Lord to send you. When I first moved to Vermont, my wife and I had a house church for five years. We got done with that. It was time to move on. We didn't know where to go. We prayed about it. The Lord said, go to this little church in downtown Panton, Vermont. 600 people, 6,000 cows. Go to that church. That's where we want you to go. And we were beat up. We were tired. We wanted to go to a church where we could get in the back row and just melt in and be healed. Right? We had gone through some tough times. So we go to Panton. We drive down the road in Panton. Nobody here knows where Panton is but that, those people over there and me. It's the end of the earth. We drive into the church, Annette and I drive in. We, we open the door, and there's eight people that look right back at us. We're like, oh, no. Right? Every single one. And they're saying, oh, look, they've got kids. We had two kids at the time. They've got kids. We sat through the service. It's like, oh, my word. We go out to the car. They're chasing us. We're driving down, heading back to Virgins where we live. They're running after us. Stay, stay. We don't want to go there. That is the last place on earth we wanted to go. We drive home in silence. I pull the car in the yard. I shut the van off. Let out my breath. I said, well, I guess that's where the Lord wants us, doesn't he? My wife said, yeah. We served that church for 25 years. Right? It wasn't that we wanted to go there. It's where the Lord wanted us. And a couple years ago, we felt called to New King, and that's a whole other story. 
Go where the Lord wants you. Pray that God would make it clear. And commit. Get in the boat. You've got to get in the boat. You are missing out. You are so missing out. Okay, another way. So pray to God. Ask questions. Talk to the pastors. Share with them where you're at. Talk with other church members. There's some unbelievable people here that have unbelievable stories. Talk to them. And we have, I mean, we've been talking about this in our pastor's meeting. We have two opportunities for you. Next week is going to be something called Coffee with the Pastors. After the first service and after the second service, we're going to go over to our barn house right next door. We're going to have a little coffee, a little pastry. You come. You talk to us. You ask questions. You get to know us more. You tell us what's on your mind. You set up a little meeting for a lady if you want to go deeper. We want to be available to you to help you make that decision. We're also going to have some quarterly meetings coming up with a luncheon to do the same thing, but, but, but just more of it, to tell you who we are and what our vision is and what our values is and have an opportunity to, to answer questions for you. You've got to get in the boat. You've got to go to a church. Okay. Part two, verse 28 and 29. So Jesus says, don't be afraid, take heart. Peter answered him, verse 28, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. You got to get out of the boat. Now that you're in the boat, you got to get out of the boat. You got to get out of the boat. See, see, here's the deal, right? You're in the boat. What's the boat? The boat does have a sense of, of comfort, right? It is, a, it is a piece of dry land in the middle of the sea. Yeah, you're being tossed to and fro, but you have camaraderie. You have companionship. You're all hopefully pulling together. You're rowing along. It's kind of a place where you can settle down and have a bit of comfort, yeah? You've got to get out of the boat. You've got to get out of the boat. Back in the last millennium, in 1991, I was probably the only one alive, me and Miss Shirley, that were alive at that time. There was a very famous book written by a guy named John Ortberg. You know what the title of the book was? If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. If you want to do something spiritual... A supernatural for God. If you want to do something amazing, you got to get out of the boat. Yeah, you got to get out of the boat. What's your boat? You got a boat? You got a boat? You got a place of comfort? You got a place of, 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 of stability? You got a place where you're just hanging out with all your friends and life is pretty good? What's your boat? You got to get out. You got to get out of your boat. Yeah, you got to get out of your boat. Okay, so, so where is everybody? Twelve disciples are in the boat. They're all in the boat. They're in the storm. They're in the struggle. Nobody's really thinking about jumping overboard. Nobody is saying like, boy, I'm kind of hot. I think I'll cool off. Nobody's going out for a little swim, right? They're in the boat. Where's Jesus? Jesus is in the middle of the storm, yeah? He's on the wind and the waves. He's right in the middle of it. And Peter, Peter's in the boat along with his buddies, the other 11. They're all in the boat. 
And then something miraculous happens. Jesus shows up, and Peter hears Jesus' voice, and you know what the Scripture says? He answers. He answers. He answers. Jesus is calling you. Get out of the boat. Will you answer? God wants us to stretch ourselves. God wants us to grow. God wants to take us out and do supernatural things with us. Get out of the boat. Will you step out of the boat? Are you willing to step into the storm of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's a storm. There's a family from New King right now in the storm of Kazakhstan. Yeah? How about that? Preaching the gospel to a people that have been beaten up in the worst possible way. There are two plants going on. I visited St. Albans. There's a church plant up in St. Albans. I visited. I talked with Michael last week. It was wonderful to visit. Eric, he says to me, I had no idea the storm of St. Albans. And he talked about, Eric, what do I do with the homeless people? How do I make a difference? How do I help? There's so many drugs here. I didn't know the extent of the storm, but he stepped out. Aaron and Jenna, Montpelier. I cannot tell you what happens on our Tuesday morning uh, pastor's meetings. One morning, Aaron comes, and he's all excited about what God's doing. The next meeting he comes, he's like, I had no idea. The storm of Montpelier. But he's stepping out. Are you willing to step out for the gospel into the storm? Are you willing? There's a young woman that goes to this church that got saved a few months ago from the, from the craziest, darkest spiritual circumstances you can imagine. She is on fire for Jesus. And you know where she's going this fall? To the Middle East. You know what she's going to do for work over there? Sex trafficking. She wants to go and step into that storm to be a help, to preach the gospel to give people hope. Are you willing to step out of the boat? Are you willing? Are you willing to answer? Are you willing to take the risk to jump into the storm of other people's lives? I mean, come on, other people's lives are messy. Will you get out of the boat and jump into the storm? Why? Because that's where Jesus is, right? That's where Jesus is. I want to tell you a quick story. When I first became a pastor down in Panton, a few years after I was there, we had a young man come to our church with brain cancer. He had a wife. He had two kids. And we began to minister to him. And then one day, the phone phone call came. It's the end. So I got in the car, and I drove. And I pulled in the driveway, and there's 20 cars in the driveway. I don't want to go in. I don't want to open that door. 
I don't know what kind of a storm I'm going to find. This young man is at the end of his life. He's suffered greatly. His witness has been fantastic, but he's got a young wife. He's got two little kids, and I don't want to open the door to go in that storm. But I did. Somehow I had the strength to go in. The place was full of people, and for the first couple hours I just sat around. And then they had a hospital bed set up, and there he was. He wasn't very conscious. And in the night, his wife said, Eric, will you go? Will you go lay with him and talk to him? I got up on that bed, and I laid beside that man, and I took his hand. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. What would you say? What would you do in that situation? I didn't know if he could hear me. And I opened up to the book of Revelation at the very end where it talks about there will be no more death. There will be no more crying. There will be no more tears. And I felt that young man's hand squeeze mine. Jesus showed up. Jesus was there in that bed, and I'll never forget it. It changed my life. For the love of God, will you get out of the boat? Will you jump into people's lives and be a help? I know it's scary. I know it's messy. I know it's terrible. You've got to get out of the boat. You'll get to know Jesus so much more when you step out in faith, when you walk in water, when you depend upon him. Get out of the boat. Part three. That sinking feeling. Verse 30 and 31. <clears throat> but when he saw the wind... He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So easy, right? <clears throat> we all know the story of this, of this portion. We keep our eye on Jesus, and everything's great. We take our eye from him, we begin to sink. We, we look at the circumstances around us, and we begin to flounder. It's so easy. Why can't we just do that? Because it's not easy. It's not easy. It's really hard. Matter of fact, we sometimes criticize Peter. We say, oh yeah, that impetuous Peter, he jumps out and he takes his eyes off Jesus. What a jerk, what an idiot, what a fool. And we judge him. And we look down our nose at Peter. But you know what? <laughs> Holy smokes, he was the only one that walked on water. <laughs> he was the only one that went out. Yeah, he started to sink a little bit, but he answered Jesus, and he went out. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. There isn't a living Christian that doesn't struggle with doubt. And I say that in the present tense. We all struggle with doubt. 
So I want to start this section by giving you an apology. If you are struggling with your faith and you've talked to me and I've given you a glib answer, I'm so sorry. If I've said something from up here or in one of the community groups, if I've judged you or you felt judgment in some way because you're trying to figure things out and I just give you some little quick Bible verse, if I've done that, I'm so sorry. You see, New King Church has got to be a safe place to doubt. It's got to be a safe place to struggle with our faith. It's got to be a safe place to figure it out. I want it to be that. And if it hasn't been that way, I'm sorry. I apologize. I don't want it to be that way at all. We're all on a journey of faith. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. Maybe you went to church, maybe you were baptized, maybe you went to youth group, and then you went away to college. Maybe you're in college now, maybe you're, you just got your first job and you're out of college, and you're thinking, oh my word, <laughs> I gotta figure this out. I gotta make my faith my own. New King is a place for you. We will help you on that journey. It is difficult, it is hard. The path of figuring out is not easy. We want to stand beside you and help you and support you. Maybe you're here and you were at another church and you were hurt and you're here and you're trying to heal up and you're trying to figure it out. Let us help you. We don't have all the answers, but we want to help you. We want to talk it through with you. Maybe Maybe you're deconstructing. And I know at times I've said that word and I've kind of spit on the ground. I'm sorry for that. I don't mean to be that way. Deconstructing scares me to my core. I feel like I've made it a dirty word because it scares me. Maybe there are things in your Christian understanding that you need to throw out. Maybe you need to think through things and understand what you really believe. See, there's a difference between faith and belief. Faith is the gift of God. We have faith in Jesus. Our beliefs are something that we work at and that we construct, and sometimes we take them apart and get rid of them. Let me give you an example, a real example of this. So a couple of months ago, the uh, people in my Wednesday community group said, will you teach us the book of Revelation? Oh, boy. Yeah, right. I'm going to go through that with you guys. Well, I had to start thinking about what do I believe about the book of Revelation? You see, for decades, I was a pre-millennial, dispensational, pre-trib kind of guy, and I could write out all the charts and all the, all the stuff and show you where everything happened and how it happened and every verse and all that. Is that what I believe? I had to think through my belief on things of the future. And you know what I came up with? I know three things and only three things. Jesus is coming back. 
oh my word, Jesus is coming back. He is coming. And his reward is with him. He is coming back. While he's away, we have a responsibility to live as Christians, to live for him. And when he comes back, number three, he is going to take us to be with himself. You know, that's all I know. But look, look, that's faith. That's Jesus. That's focusing on him. And that's saying, you know, some of these beliefs I was so sure about, you know, some of that, maybe it's okay to kind of let that go. Yeah? Faith versus belief. Maybe you're struggling with the Burlington culture. Maybe you've, you're offended by the teaching of Jesus. Pick a topic. Gender, male or female pastors, whatever it is. There's a, there's a whole long line of them. Maybe, maybe you're offended by that. Let me tell you the third exhortation. you got to cry out to Jesus. You have to go to Jesus. You have to go directly to him. What does Peter say? Lord, save me. You have to go to Jesus. In John's Gospel, chapter 6, Jesus gives this teaching that's really hard. And people were offended And they went away from Jesus. And Jesus turns to his disciples and said, will you too go away? And what does Peter say? Same guy. What does Peter say to them? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have put our faith in you. Who are we going to go to? You have to cry out to Jesus. In your doubt, in your questions, you have to cry out to Jesus. That's who you have to go to. You have to be real with him. You have to look to him. You got to cry out to him. And Jesus responds, doesn't he? In verse 31, look very carefully at what's going on here. He cried out, Lord, save me, verse 31. Jesus immediately, he reached out his hand. He took hold of him. And he said to him, O you of little faith, why do you doubt? He speaks to him. Notice where that happened. It happened in the middle of the storm. The storm hadn't stopped raging. The storm was still going on. They were still out in the water. They hadn't got back to the boat yet. They were still out there. And I think Jesus quietly and personally spoke to Peter. And it was words of hope more than anything else. And then they went back to the boat, and the storm calmed. You have to cry out to Jesus. You have to go to Jesus. Along with that, You have to use your Christian community to help you and to process things. I think of the two onto the road to Emmaus in John's gospel. Jesus is dead. They don't understand what's going on. They think he might have been raised. They're walking along. Together, they're talking about it. They're trying to figure it out. They have doubts. They're disappointed. They're discouraged. And who shows up? Jesus shows up. 
and they go to the scriptures and their hearts burned within them. Go to Jesus. Go to your Christian friends. Spend time with them. Talk to them. Talk to us. Talk to us leaders. Call me. Phone me. Text me. Fax me. I don't care. Talk to me. Cry out. Take one of those connect cards today. Write on it. I have my doubts. Just write that. Help me. We will help you. We will bring you to Jesus. We won't have all the answers. We won't be able to glibly run them off. We don't want to do that. Cry out to Jesus. And now we come to the end, which is the main point of the story, really. The main point. Verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, truly, you are the Son of God. This is the reason all of this happened. This is the main point. What was Jesus up to walking on the water? What was he up to? What was going on there? What was it all about? If you read Mark's gospel, Mark's account, Mark says something really intriguing. They're out in the boat, the wind and the waves, everything's going bad. It's the middle of the night. And they look and they say, Jesus walking on the water. And you know what Mark says? This funny little line, he was about to pass them by. What does that mean? He was about to pass them by. I think of Jesus kind of walking along and, oh yeah, tip of the hat, see you guys, I'm, I'm heading over this way, good luck in the storm. Was he racing them? What was going on? He was about to pass them by. I, for years, I was intrigued by that. He was about to pass them by. It seems a little in your face, doesn't it? You're about to pass them by, you're just going to leave them there? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Pass by is a technical term. And it shows up twice in the Old Testament. Yeah? You know where? Come on. Moses. Remember that? Moses says to God, I want to see your glory. So God puts him in the cleft of the rock, and it says, God passed by. Right? God passed by, and Moses was changed. His face glowed. Everybody saw it. He was a different man. He wanted to see the face of God. He wanted to see God. And God passed him by. And he saw it. There's another place. The prophet Elijah. Remember that? And where's Elijah? What's happening with Elijah? Elijah, he's discouraged. He wants to die, he's so discouraged. So he goes off in the wilderness, he hikes out, and he lays down in the cave. He says, I want to die. I have disappointment, I have discouragement, I have doubt. And guess who shows up? God shows up. And God does what? He passes him by. And now Elijah sees God for who he is. He's not the hurricane. He's not the fire. He's not the earthquake. He's that still, 
small voice. Jesus is calling to you. Jesus is passing by. He's showing, he wants to show himself to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants you to know who he is. Will you answer? Will you get in the boat? All right, you're in the boat. Now get out of the boat. Will you get out of the boat? If you're doubting, will you cry out to Jesus? Will you do that? Will you see him? In the Old Testament, it was only God that walked on water. And so Jesus, what was he up to? He was showing who he was. He was showing them that I am the Son of God. That's who I am. And they worshiped. Will you worship? Will you fall before King Jesus, the real king, the nourisher, the sustainer, the savior? Will you worship him? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we have a Savior, Jesus. One that reveals himself. One that longs for us to be near him. One that calls to us. Oh, Father, help us to answer. Whatever our situation is, if we can't figure out where we need to go, Father, make it clear that we need to be in fellowship with other Christians. Make it clear. Father, if we are complacent and comfortable, Father, push us out of the boat. Have us walk on water and do something supernatural. Have us jump into the storm of the gospel or other people's lives. Father, as we begin to doubt and to sink and to question and to ask, oh, have us call out to Jesus. And Father, we now... We now in song, we worship your son, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.